you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 78 of the Banner Branch Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? You can find me on Twitter Machine at BannerBrancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBrancher Podcast. And if you haven't yet already, please subscribe to the podcast. Please leave a rating on the podcast or maybe even a review on the podcast. If you don't mind, that'd be greatly appreciated because that helps me provide you with this super duper fantastic podcast but let's get right into it the boston celtics had quite the week let me tell you they played some fantastic basketball minus one game but the celtics go three and one this week they are officially the third seed heading in to the eastern conference playoffs where i think it starts yeah the 17th so one week from today the nba playoffs start or if you listen tomorrow six days or if you listen on wednesday seven days whatever the case may be whenever you listen thanks for listening uh but the celtics will be the three seed the raptors will be the two seed and the bucks will be the one seed and then the nets and the magic they'll flip-flop seven or eight i don't really care because we're not going to play them and then later on in the podcast i will talk about the four the five the six seed who might who the Celtics might be playing, who we might not want to play, who we do want to play, etc., etc. So let's just dive right into the week. The Celtics lost to the Miami Heat 112 to 106, and then they went out on the second night of a back-to-back and beat the Brooklyn Nets 119 to 115. Then they beat the Toronto Raptors 122 to 100, and then they beat the Orlando Magic yesterday. If you're listening on Monday, 122 to 119 in overtime. Now, before I get into the great week that was Boston Celtics basketball, there was one player who we do like to focus here on the podcast a lot that really didn't play that much. So I just kind of want to get this segment. Over on the so he's a man who loves to get a double double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for cancer bands, baby. Wow! Ah, uh, yes. Enes Cantor really didn't play a lot this week, which to me is perfectly fine because it was all based on matchups. And I thought Brad Stevens did the right thing, unlike last week, which is why he was the dud. And we are moving on. Thanks for Cantor banter. Hope everyone enjoyed it. So let's recap the week for the Boston Celtics. We'll start off with the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat game was a classic, frustrating Celtics game. You start slow. You kind of get going. You suck in the second quarter. Ooh, you kind of come out strong a little bit, and then you absolutely blow it. And what I said in episode 77 when I was previewing this game is that the Boston Celtics had, 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 had to match the Miami Heat's intensity, and that is absolutely what they did not do, and it was so infuriating, and it was so frustrating. I, I Just thinking about it drives me absolutely, absolutely 
I don't want to say bananas, but it, it really, really made me angry because they just came out so flat. And it was so frustrating because you talk about the Milwaukee Bucks game and they came out so slow against a good team and then they waste so much energy trying to come back and it just it doesn't work out. Sure, I understand that they kind of got the lead down in the third quarter. I think they got up one at one point. I think that was their only lead of the game, I think, or they cut it down to one. I know that one point was involved either way. Sorry, I've just watched so much basketball this week. It's all kind of like mushed together because it's fantastic that like, for example, today you can watch basketball from 2.30 to like midnight and it's just awesome. But even though they did not match the Miami Heat's intensity and it w- the other thing, sorry, just real quick, that made, made it even more frustrating that they didn't match the Miami Heat's intensity is the Miami Heat didn't have Jimmy Butler who's like the dog of that team, who will just fire guys up and you want to run through a wall when you play next to Jimmy Butler. And the fact that they came out and did that was just frustrating. But to kind of flip it into some positivity, which I know is rare in this podcast because I have high expectations of this team, is they outscored the Miami Heat in the paint by 26 points. And if you've listened to at least 10 episodes of this podcast, I would give an organ, if not two, to be able to see the Boston Celtics dominate points in the paint. I'm not talking about beating the Raptors by 8 or 10 points because you won by 22. I'm talking about the fact that a close game and you could go back to the box score and go, hey, you know, I thought the Celtics actually did a really good job in the paint. I wonder how much they, oh my God, they outscored the other team by 26 points in the paint and it's a team that's bigger than them, like Bam Adebayo. He should win most improved player. Sorry to Brandon Ingram, he's a dookie, but... Unbelievable that they outscored the Miami Heat by 26 points in the paint and still lost this game. And you could say, well, why did they lose this game? Well, you could just look at the defensive rotations. They were not there. Guys still looked confused. A lot of open shots for Jay Crowder. A lot of open shots for Tyler Hero. A lot of open shots for Duncan Robinson, etc., etc. And I knew Duncan Robinson or Kendrick Nunn were going to go off because they sucked in the previous game. I talked about that in the podcast. I knew they were going to go off. I absolutely knew they were going to go off, and it happened. But with that being said, even though the defensive rotation sucked, one of the reasons why it does is because you kind of have some lineups where guys are not playing together because the foul trouble is starting to become an issue for some of these guys. Jason Tatum had some fouls early in the Nets game. That kind of messed some things up. Marcus Smart fouled out in the third quarter. He had six fouls in this Miami Heat game. You go back to the Thunder game or even the Bucks game with Jalen Brown having five fouls. Very, very frustrating situation. So when these guys get into foul trouble, Brad Stevens has to come out with these lineups of Jalen Brown, Ennis Cantor, Romeo Langford, Shemi Ojale, and Brad Wanamaker. And if that just didn't make you throw up, I don't know what will. And sure, I, yeah, I'm team Brad Wanamaker. I'll talk about Shemi in a little bit. Romeo's defense, I will say this. I've talked about, you know, I've never wanted the Celtics to draft Romeo Langford, but his defense is a thing. I just don't know if I can deal with another Marcus Smart situation where we have to wait five years for this kid to get a jump shot. I can't do that. That's a waste of a draft pick for me, especially when you already have Marcus Smart, who's young, who's a dog. you got Jalen Brown for another five years, and hopefully Jason Tatum for another five years after that. He might be a good bench guy, but for right now, I just don't see it. But I will give Romeo Langford a shout-out for playing good, solid NBA wing defense. So a small golf clap to Mr. Romeo Langford. But Cantor, Brown, Shemi, Wanamaker, Romeo, no. No, that's just not a lineup. But 
I think one of the real frustrating parts of the Miami Heat game before we move on to the Nets game was, so the Celtics lost by six. They lost 112 to 106. And at one point, they had the best five. We always hear about the best five lineup that they got. Smart, Brown, Gordon, Tatum, and Kemba. Those are the best five. You could say those are the best five players in the Celtics team. They all put them out. It's a small ball lineup. And they let the Heat go on a 10 run without Jimmy Butler out there. So that was very frustrating. So when you look at, and that happened in the second quarter. So if that didn't happen in the second quarter, Celtics cut down the lead a little bit. Maybe that little run that they had in the third quarter gets in the lead, rattles the heat a little bit, and you can get a victory and go 4-0 this week. So it was a very frustrating game. It is a game where you get a little nervous, not a lot of nervous, a little nervous that the heat can beat you. But I think overall the Celtics have a better team, and it was just a frustrating day for them. And the important part was that they didn't get too down about that loss because the next day they came out, played the uh, Brooklyn Nets, and they won 119-115. to 115. And it was the most points the Celtics have ever scored since November 25th, 1992. So that's a great day. November 25th is a great day. So let's, let's just get this out of the way. The Nets did play with their G League team. I get it. They didn't have all their studs. You know, they didn't have Dinwiddie, they didn't have Kyrie, they didn't have DeAndre Jordan, they didn't have Kevin Durant, they didn't have Jamal Crawford. Like, you can go on and on. Excuse Phil USA. And you know what? Screw that. The Celtics needed a game like this. They needed something where they would get a lot of confidence. They can see some shots go in and carry it over to the next game. So whether it was a G League, the Chumpsford High Junior Varsity team, the whatever the case may be, the team that always loses to the Harlem Globetrotters. I'm having a brain fart of their name. It doesn't matter. They needed this game. They came out. They actually looked prepared. They actually looked focused, ready to go, almost like they were playing with some emotion for once down in the bubble, which was great to see. And I don't want to say that this Nets game was a game changer for the Celtics. All I'm saying is I really and truly think that a game like this can really go a long way for this team because, you know, Jalen Brown's hitting shots. Jason Tatum's hitting shots. Shemi was hitting shots, you know. So a lot of guys hitting shots, and all you need is to see a couple go in, and then you have confidence moving forward. You know, like Jason Tatum, luckily he's a superstar. He's good mentally where he had that terrible two for 18 night, and he came back the next night and did really well. But you can't say the same for Marcus Smart or Shemi Ojale or Brad Wanamaker or whatever the case may be. So I really enjoyed this. I also enjoyed the communication on defense. Communication on defense was great. I thought Daniel Tice did a great job because we all think that Marcus Smart is the leader. He's the heart and soul. Not think. We know that Marcus Smart is the leader, the heart and soul of that team. But when it comes to a defensive anchor, you need your center to do that. And Daniel Tice has been doing that in the bubble. He's been very vocal. He's been very good. I think Daniel Tice has been fantastic in the bubble. I don't think people realize how much of a steal he is at $5 million. I know we all used to talk about Avery Bradley's contract back in the day and Jay Crowder's contract back in the day, but the way Daniel Tice is playing, to get a double-double, a couple blocks every game and play some pretty solid, good defense and stretch the floor a bit for the Celtics because he can hit a three every once in a while. I think that's a great thing for the Boston Celtics, and it's a steal, especially at $5 million. It's, it absolutely is. And Daniel Tice's backup center wasn't Anna Scanter in this game. I mean, it maybe was for a little bit, but the Time Lord came in. And the Time Lord probably played his best game ever as a member of Boston Celtics. He was 6-6 six, six from the field, blocked some shots, got some rebounds. He was fantastic on both ends. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I am a huge Robert Williams fan. I've been dying for him to kind of burst out of his shell. And if it happens to burst out of a shell in a bubble, whatever the case may be, that's fine. He needed to get his head right. He really did. And I didn't think that being in a bubble 
would help him get his head right. But maybe the fact that he has to focus on basketball and only basketball has helped him because in the Raptors game, he looked great. In the Nets game, he looked great. In the Magic game, he looked solid. So Time Lord, Time Lord looked great. But with that being said, if Grant Williams and Shemi Ojale can go to the Magic Kingdom and ask Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Tinkerbell, I don't care who it is. But if they could just combine to be one person, that would be great. Because there are some times where I want Grant Williams on the floor and I don't want Shemi on the floor. And then there are times where I don't want Shemi on the floor, but I want Grant Williams on the floor. Or I don't want Grant Williams on the floor and I want Shemi on the floor. That is, I just wish they would mold into one because they both do certain things so well. And if you could just combine them all, you'd probably get a really good player. And there are times where I don't want Shemi out there. But when Shemi starts hitting shots, you're like, yeah, I'm for it. But Shemi's not a great rebounder or not a great passer like Grant Williams is. So that becomes kind of frustrating. And speaking of frustrating, two quick things about the Nets game before we move on to the Raptors game. Number one, I was a virtual fan. For those of you that took pictures, sent them to me, tagged Banner Banter Podcast on social media, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. It was a very frustrating experience, um, but overall a great experience. Once you were able to actually get a seat after waiting two hours, it was a good time. Would I do it again? Of course I would. Would I complain again? Of course I would. But I probably shouldn't have complained as much as I did because it was free. But I was just so excited because this whole year has been hell in a handbasket that, uh, you know, because every day is worse than the one before it. Uh, Yeah. So it was fun. It was cool. Glad I was on ESPN. Glad Mark Jackson sat right in front of me. That was cool. And I'm glad I got to see a Celtics blow up. And then one final thing. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, his dribbling sometimes, folks, drives me up a side of a wall like I'm Pippi Longstocking. Like, oh, my God. Holy crap. It is so, like, my three-year-old niece could probably dribble a basketball sometimes better than Jason Tatum. And it drives me bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. It drives me crazy that someone that talented can be so lazy dribbling the basketball. Like, I know I said last year when I kind of did, like, what I want each player to learn over the summer. I know for Jalen and Jason, I said, please learn how to dribble a basketball. Jalen did it, but Jason hasn't yet, and that's just so frustrating. But what wasn't frustrating was this Toronto Raptors game this past Friday night. The Celtics played arguably the best game of the year. They they had a shot at getting the two seed because they beat the, the Raptors, but the, then the Raptors would have had to have gone 0-4 in their last four games, and the Celtics would have to go 3-0 in their last three. Obviously, it wasn't going to happen, so Bucks won, Raptors 2, Celtics 3. Now, before we really dive into this game, let me just start off by saying, and I hope everyone agrees with me, the Celtics played fantastic, don't get me wrong, but I think we can all agree that there's no way the Raptors play that poorly again. Like, I hate to bring the excitement down a little bit, but the Raptors are a really good team. They're the number two team in the East for a reason. They won an NBA championship, yes, with Kawhi Leonard, but some other people had to chip in. Kawhi Leonard didn't score every single point in that NBA Finals, even though it definitely seemed like he did. They're a good team. They're coached by one of the best coaches in the NBA. Nick Nurse is a crazy good coach. He's probably going to win Coach of the Year this year. He really is, because no one thought the Raptors were going to be as good as they are. So let me just start off by saying that Jason Tatum going 2 for 18 is like Pascal Siakam going 5 of 15 in this game. 
Sure, he made three more shots, three less shots, but Pascal Siakam is not going to be missing corner threes anytime soon, especially in a playoff series. Sure, maybe he makes a little bit more if he's in Toronto in front of his home crowd because that's how NBA players work versus being on the road. So maybe advantage Celtics there. But overall, there is no way Pascal Siakam shoots as poorly as he did. And the Raptors' half-court offense is not that great. The Raptors score a lot of their points on fast-break points. They're one of the best fast-point break teams in the league. They score a lot of them. So the fact that the Celtics were able to hustle back, set up their defense, and play good defense, rotate properly, I think it really frustrated the Toronto Raptors. And in a seven-game series, if the Raptor, if it's going to be whose half-court offense is better, you're going to take the Celtics every single time, I think. And the Celtics, you know, they gave up more fast-break points than they scored, and that's fine because the Raptors are that good at it. But they did a good job getting back, hustling back, and I, I love that. And I also love the strong start. I, last week when I was talking on episode 77, just like the Heat game, I was just like, you have to come out strong because with the Bucks game, you can't be down 17-4 to against these really good teams, especially in the playoffs. So you have to treat this game like a playoff game, and they did. Now, you could argue that the Raptors didn't. They didn't want to leave a lot on video for the Celtics to see heading into what will most likely be a second-round playoff matchup because the Raptors are going to have to play the Magic or the Nets, and they're just going to blow them out of the water. And like I said, we'll talk about who the Celtics are going to be playing towards the end of the podcast. But the Celtics' defense was great. It was very aggressive. Everyone got right up on their guy. Everyone hustled back on both ends. And we knew Jason Tatum could really guard a lot of spots, you know, probably spots one to four, probably more two to four. Um, But Jalen Brown, I mentioned it last summer, probably around this time when, you know, Smart and Kemba and Jason and Jalen were all down for Team USA basketball. Pop put him on a lot of fours, and he was able to guard fours. And I thought Jalen Brown did a great job of covering multiple positions in this Raptors game. I thought he did a great job on Siakam at times, and then he would have to guard Van Fleet at times. So that was really, really good to see. And I love that the the I'm trying to say this the right way. I love that the Celtics didn't get frustrated with how poorly they shot the three-point ball in the first half, and then they shot it so much better in the second half. They hit six more threes than the Raptors did, but the teams combined in the first half were 8 of 41 from three, but the Celtics were still up 13. And that's not something you hear a lot with the Celtics because the Celtics aren't shooting well. Usually they're losing by a lot, but not in this case. They got some more points in the paint, just like they did with the Heat game. So I really, really enjoyed that. And they were up 13 at half. I literally tweeted out, please don't be the Blazers game again. Please don't be the Blazers game again. Please don't be the Blazers game again. Celtics got up 15. Raptors cut it down to eight. Brad called a good timeout. And then right after that, it was see you later. And then they absolutely wiped the floor with them. They kept their foot in the pedal, and I absolutely loved it. And speaking about keeping your foot on the pedal, I need to see more Time Lord pick and roll with Marcus Smart. It's a thing. Marcus Smart's passing has been phenomenal in the bubble. Time Lord's passing was also very good. He can see over a lot of defenders, which is great. And if he caught a couple guys cutting, you know, he threw a couple cross uh passes where he would skip it across the court to open three-point shooters, so I loved it. And the reason why you saw Time Lord play more than Cantor, Cantor didn't actually play at all. And that's all about matchups because Ennis Cantor and Joel Embiid, yeah, that's fine because both physical, he can 
I don't want to say keep up with him, but he can be physical, and I think we can all agree that Embiid doesn't like a lot of physicality. But when the Raptors go small, you can't have Cantor up there. You can't do it. And Time Lord proved himself in a very important game. And because of that, we are going to be moving on to everyone's favorite segment, Stud and Dunk. And now, it is time for the Celtics Stud and the Celtics Dud of the Week. Okay, your stud of the week. I At first, I wanted to do Gordon Hayward's mustache, and I'm going to talk about Gordon Hayward in a bit, but it's got to be the Time Lord. Robert Williams was great in the Nets game, solid in a very, very important game in key minutes, I thought. Maybe not important minutes, but key minutes in the Raptors game, and then he was had a good performance. I think he went three or four, grabbed a couple rebounds against the Magic, who are a lengthy team. I thought Time Lord was great, and I need this to continue because if you can add one extra piece off the bench and make it length and give defenders a hard time, I think it's a good thing. Now, the issue is is you don't want Time Lord to get into foul trouble like Daniel Tice because I don't think Daniel Tice has ever gotten a call go his way ever. And the one thing that I really want the Time Lord to improve on is Time Lord tries to block every shot to the moon and I love it but sometimes it's okay just to block it to have it go out of bounds because sometimes he jumps so high and the shots go up so much or so high above his hand that he can't turn around quick enough to box someone out and get a rebound and that's a good opportunity for a lot of offensive rebounds and for a team like the Philadelphia 76ers who's a little scrappy that screams offensive rebounds and easy putbacks and that's not something the Celtics want. So the Time Lord sh- shooting, his finishing, his passing, his rebounding, his defending was all great. He just can still work on a few more things, and he could be a really, really solid backup center for Daniel Tice as long as the matchup plays. Because like, if they're going against Miles Turner and the Pacers, I want Time Lord out there because they're about the same player. But if it's Embiid or Horford, who are a little bit slower... Uh, I would I would want Cantor out there. I would, you know, I understand he's a defensive you know issue sometimes, but on the block, good luck trying to move Cantor. He's he's a brick wall. I'm not saying he's great on defense. I'm just saying good luck trying to like move him off the block. You know, and Cantor can really is his offensive rebounding is literally incredible. His hands are like magnets towards the ball. It's it's absolutely crazy. So the set of the week is Time Lord. I know I'm rambling here a bit. And then the dud of, of the week, it's tough because Tice played great this week, I thought. Gordon Hayward and his mustache played great. Tatum played good. Brown played good. Kemba looked great. I had no issues really with Brad Wanamaker. I mean, he made a couple of decisions near the basket where he usually hits, you know, shoots terrible layups, but he made some passes. Shemi had his own own moments. Cantor, you didn't play enough to judge. So I'm going to go with Marcus Smart's shooting. Not Marcus Smart overall, because his defense, the fact that he was hustling all over the floor, I hope Marcus Smart is pissed off that he didn't even get nominated or even in consideration for Defensive Player of the Year. I hope he proves everyone wrong. But to kind of go 3 of 9 or 3 of 10 versus the Magic and then 1 of 8 against the Raptors, probably not great. But to have an 11 assists in two games as the backup point guard combined against the Raptors and the Nets, 
Like, that's really good. So I'm just, the dud of the week is Marcus Smart shooting. I know I don't like Marcus Smart shooting that much, but if he's going to take eight shots a game, I need him to at least make 40 to 50% of those. That, that would be preferred. Okay, so your stud this week is the Time Lord, and your dud is Marcus Smart. And speaking about the Magic game, let's recap that real quick. Magic game went into OT last night. It was a tough-fought game by both teams. The Celtics let a lot of three-point shooters open for the Magic, and thank God Evan Fournier wasn't playing because he was ill. Not coronavirus ill, but just ill, because the NBA has yet, knock on wood, has yet to have any positive coronavirus tests down in the bubble, which is absolutely incredible so but what was really incredible was gordon hayward and that mustache he dropped 30 points he had a burst he would blow by people he would finish with dunks it was a lighter version of utah jazz gordon hayward he doesn't have the same ups as he used to but gordon hayward drove the rim a couple times threw down some dunks you know or some white guy dunks if you will because they weren't you know like jalen brown jumping through the ceiling or anything like that or javante green but Gordon Hayward looked great, and you know me, Captain Positivity, I, I had to stop and say to myself, if Gordon leaves because they're having another kid, which I get and I respect it and I understand it, the Celtics could be in really bad shape. Gordon Hayward, had, you could argue, could argue, has been one of the top two best Celtics players down in the bubble. You could say Jalen and Gordon. You could say Jason and Gordon. Or just say Jalen and Jason. But you can't forget about Gordon. Gordon has been terrific. He rebound. He didn't score a lot of points against the uh, the Nets. Or was it the Raptors? But he had nine rebounds in one of those games. It was either the Nets or the Raptors game. I think it was a Raptors game. Where he didn't score a lot, but he had nine rebounds. And those little things like that go a really long way for this team, if he can do little things. So the fact that he would have to leave and then come back and self-quarantine and maybe miss three games in what could possibly be the Eastern Conference Finals against a strong, possibly Milwaukee Bucks team or either the Pacers, the 76ers, or the Heat, depending on what happens, it could be a big, big, big blow to the Boston Celtics. It really could. But you can't be mad at him because family comes first. You know, so it'll be very interesting. But Gordon Hayward has been terrific, and I hope it keeps up. I think no distractions. You know, I feel like Gordon's just literally living his best life. He can wake up, play basketball. When he's done playing basketball, he can FaceTime with the kids. And then after that, he can just play video games all night until he feels like he needs to sleep. And that's all Gordon Hayward wants to do. And I love that. I absolutely love that about him. And he played great yesterday. And I, I hope he continues to play great. I think that, and I'll talk about this in a little bit when I preview the Wizards game, I think he should only play one game this week, give him rest, and let's go into the playoffs and let's make sure everyone's healthy. Because if Gordon Hayward is healthy, and Gordon Hayward can drop 31 points and have Jason Tatum drop 20-plus and Jalen Brown drop 20-plus and Kemba gets more comfortable with his knee, this team is going to be a problem, folks. But man, if Gordon Hayward has to leave because the Celtics make a deep playoff run for seven days to go see the birth of his kid, I get it. I respect it. But man, that's going to suck. Ugh, that is going to suck. But what didn't suck yesterday was Jason Tatum. Whew, that's a bad mamma jamma right there. I mean, Jason Tatum scored the last five points of the Celtics to force the game to go into overtime. And this is the Jason Tatum you want to see. Jason Tatum had a reasonable game going up to this, but he knew that he was 
going to be the guy. He knew that he had to score all the baskets for this basketball team at the end of the game. And that fadeaway jumper that he hit at the end of the game was exactly why everyone hypes up Jason Tatum. It was so chill. It was so cool. It was so calm. It was so collective. You name it. But it was great. And then he went off in OT, and it was exactly what you want your star and your number one scorer to do. And Jason Tatum was great in that Magic game to close out that game. It was great. Um, Just a couple other things that I noticed. I I was happy with how well the Celtics rebounded the ball. Uh, Vujicic is a tough rebounder. I know that they didn't have Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac and another good rounding, another big rebounding group of guys for the Magic, but the Magic are playing for something. Do you want to play the Raptors or the Bucks in the first round? And They're going back and forth with the Nets, and the Nets had a big win last night against the uh, Los Angeles Clippers, so it'll be interesting, but Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum, oh, excuse me, bravo, job well done in that Magic game. So the Celtics have two games this week, the first being tomorrow, August 11th at 5 p.m. They moved the times of the game because of what's going on in the Western Conference because the Suns are 5-0. and They haven't lost. The Trailblazers are beefing with everyone and their mama and Dame's dropping 51 points in games after missing free throws. The Grizzlies are blowing it left and right because right now the Grizzlies could not make the playoffs. So this game on Tuesday at 5 p.m. on NBC Sports Boston is going to be an issue for the Celtics because these Grizzlies are playing for something, and the Celtics, I think, are just playing to stay in shape now because they're locked into the three seed. It's impossible for the Miami Heat to catch up to them. So with that being said, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to play the starters all out and then rest them on Thursday against the Wizards? Because I would like that. I think that would be great. But the Grizzlies are half game up on the Portland Trailblazers. And I think each team has two games left, except for the Phoenix Suns, who has three games left. And the Phoenix Suns are a game and a half behind. So the way that the bubble playoffs are working is the 8 and 9 seed, if the 8 seed and the ninth seed are within four games of each other, they're going to play a best two out of three series. But the 9 seed has to beat the 8th seed twice, but the 8th seed only has to beat the ninth seed once. So the Grizzlies have a lot to play for. And they lost an absolute sudden Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J. He's such a great player. He's a double-double night type of guy. I was going to say a double-figure guy. But, yes, he gets double figures and rebounds and points, Timmy. So that means he's a double-double guy, and he's great. But you got to lock up John Morant. He's going to be your Rookie of the Year this year. For anyone who thinks Zion should win Rookie of the Year, stop Stop, stop. I would take a bullet for Zion Williamson, but there is no way in H-E double hockey stick that Zion Williamson should win Rookie of the Year. John Moran should win it. No questions asked. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. And then they also have to keep Valanciunas off the boards. He's a great rebounder. A lot like, um, oh my God, who did they just play in the Atlanta match? Oh, Vujicic. Great rebounder like that. And they have some shooters on this team. Dylan Brooks from Oregon. He's a shooter. He can get hot. Grayson Allen. Dookie, I know everyone and their mother hates him, A, because he's a Dookie, and B, because he's a little bit of a dirty player, but Smart will have to lock him up, and those guys are both little nutcases, and that that could be fun, but Grayson Allen dropped 20 points yesterday for the Grizzlies. He's been shooting the ball very, very well, so you're going to have to keep an eye on him, and then you also have my boy Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark will be playing this game, so when everyone sees that Romeo Langford might be on the bench in key minutes, and Brandon Clark's playing because Brandon Clark should have been drafted by the Boston Celtics. Don't forget 
just don't forget, in the bubble so far, Brandon Clark is averaging 11 points, 6 rebounds, and is shooting 65% from the field since the start of the bubble. The other night, even though they lost, against the Toronto Raptors, he had 16 points and 9 rebounds. 16 points and 9 rebounds. Brandon Clark should have been drafted by the Boston Celtics. I'll never forget it. Here's the other thing. I think Brad Stevens, like I said, should play all the starters, and I think they all got to go hard. I don't care about Kemba's minute restriction anymore. Play him 30 minutes at minimum. I don't care if they're up 30. Well, if they're up 30, they could get a little... The Grizzlies could get a little crazy if Grayson Allen's on the floor. That would actually drive me nuts. But don't be lazy. Treat this game like you treated the Raptors game. Treat this game like you treated the Nets game and the, uh, and the Magic game, and just don't come out lazy. Come out strong. Treat this game like it's the last game of the season and actually seating's on the line. Get that day off. Get a couple days of rest, and the playoffs are going to start. So the Grizzlies are a good team. They're young, and they're fighting for something. And those young guys, I'm sure, don't want to go all the way down to Orlando to just have to go home. So it will be a tough game, no doubt about it. And then Thursday, time is to be determined, but they are playing the Washington Wizards, who are already eliminated. There was a report out today that after the teams that get eliminated, after their last game, they can go back to the hotel, shower, have dinner, and then they have to hop on a bus and have to leave. So that's absolutely crazy. So the Washington Wizards aren't going to be playing for a lot. Who cares about this game? Do not play Tice. Do not play Cantor. Do not play uh, play the Time Lord. But don't play Cantor. Don't play Tice. Don't play Brown. Don't play Tatum. Don't play Hayward. Don't play Kemba. Don't play Marcus Smart. Don't. If Romeo Lankford has to take 45 shots to get these guys rest, so be it. Let's do it. Let's. It's 2020. Screw it. Let's have some fun. So that's that. But before I end the podcast this week, let me just give you the current playoff scenario. I have this kind of all written out. I tried to memorize it, but it's a little tough. So here is the playoff scenario as of Monday morning. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday, this could change because the Heat and the Pacers are playing today. But as of right now, the Heat are currently the fourth seed, the Pacers are the fifth, and the 76ers are the sixth seed. So as of right now, if the bubble uh, play-in games just stopped, we would be playing the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. The Heat and the Pacers are one game ahead of the 76ers because the 76ers lost to Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers last night. The Heat own the Miami Heat own the tiebreaker with the Pacers and the 76ers. So if all the teams tie, the Miami Heat will have the four seed. And then the Pacers own the tiebreaker with the 76ers. So then if all of the teams tied, it would go Heat, Pacers, 76ers, just the way it is right now. The 76ers just lost Ben Simmons for the season with a knee issue. That's a big, big blow to them. And then Joel Embiid yesterday left the game with a possible ankle injury. Possible. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. I'm checking my phone right now. I don't see anything from Woj or Sham about the situation. So, is it a sprained ankle? I don't know. It happened in the first half, and he didn't return. Obviously, if that's the case, if they don't have Simmons, and if they don't have... Joel Embiid, you obviously want the 76ers. Part of me thinks that once the NBA playoffs slows down, or when the games slow down in the NBA playoffs, I think the 76ers at times are better without Ben Simmons because people know that if Ben Simmons is at the top of the key and the Philadelphia 76ers are in their half-court offense, that they can just double-team Joel Embiid 
and then just deal with whatever Ben Simmons does. But now you add an extra shooter out in the court, you can have Josh Richardson, um, Milton, Tobias Harris, and uh, oh my God, who's their other, that other white guy? Oh my God, what's his name? Begins with a K. Anyways, but you can have some shooters out there. And if Tobias Harris gets going, Josh, uh, Josh Richardson gets going, the 76ers could be a dangerous team. You know, uh, Matt DeSibel, he's hit or miss with his threes, but so it'll be interesting to see what happens. So here's the rest of the schedule. The, the Heat and the Pacers play each other twice. That's it. Like, that's crazy for the fourth or the fifth seed. Now, home court doesn't matter, so whatever. And then the uh, Miami Heat also play the Rockets. And then the 76ers play the Suns, the Raptors, and the Rockets. So the way that the Phoenix Suns are playing, and let's say they give Joel Embiid a day off, they could lose. And then I think at that point, if the Pacers, let's say the Pacers win and the Heat lose and then the 76ers lose, you're most likely looking at a Brett Brown, Brad Stevens, Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers first round matchup. So you get to play Al Horford. You know, maybe there's some drama there. So on paper, based on the injuries, you want the 76ers. They don't seem too together right now to begin with, even when Simmons was healthy. The Raptors will probably play the Nets, which will be a cakewalk. So you obviously want an easier series because the Raptors are going to get an easier series because there is no way that that Raptors-Celtics series goes five games. Excuse me. Or four games. There's no way in each of them. That's a six or seven game series. And then you got to hope that the Pacers or the Heat can stretch the floor or the series out with the Milwaukee Bucks, who haven't looked that great. They just lost in overtime to the Dallas Mavericks the other night. I think they're 2-3 and three in the bubble or 2-4 and four or something like that. They haven't looked that great. They're a definition of a home court advantage type of team. So that's it for this week of the Banner Bench Podcast, episode 70, uh, 78 in the books. Episode 78 is done. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBancherPodcast. Um... Please like, subscribe, leave a comment on iTunes, on Spotify, whatever the case may be. The more subscribes, the more likes, the more ratings I get, uh, the better for the podcast and the better for you as well. And maybe I can make the podcast a little bit more fun for you. Uh, So that's it. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. If you're in the New England area, we got a little bit of a heat wave. So stay cool. Remember that Black Lives Matter. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Go Celtics. See you later. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.